I had a really great idea for summer content, but then another podcast that I listen to quite frequently is doing literally the thing I thought of, which was like watching sports movies and talking about them from like a fan perspective, like the sports part of it. Got to call a time out there. Yeah, but here we are. Like I thought about like if we watched like Hoosiers, but like reacted to the actual like games. Oh, did I tell you my thing that I learned this past week? It, it was like a preview after a UVA baseball game of a ESPN 30 for 30. Did I ask you about how Gordon Bombay's name, they came up with his name for the Mighty Ducks? No, I have no clue. Okay, this is true. This is not me. No, this is true. Okay. I didn't know this. The writer of the movie was trying to think of a name, and he was on a gin kick, mm. and he looked over at his like wall of alcohols, and he saw Gordon's yeah. and Bombay wow. on the wall, and he was like, there you go. Boom. There's name. character. Huh. Brilliant. You know what I learned this week? This is not sports-related at okay. all, so feel free to That's cut fine. it, but I think it's interesting. Cold open material, depending. You know what 2020 vision, like what that means? I used to know this, but I don't think I know this. Anymore. So I've, I don't think in my life I've ever known why it's 2020. And that's like your, it's not even really perfect vision, but just like normal vision and why like 2010 is better and 2040 is worse. So what it is, 2020 vision means when you look at something that's 20 feet away, it appears as clear as though it is 20 feet away. 2010 would be when you see something 20 feet away, it's as clear as though it were 10 feet so you're away. you're like better than that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. 2040 is it's as clear under normal vision circumstances as it would be 40 feet away. Mm-hmm. Isn't that wild? Like, that I is did, interesting. I didn't know that's what that meant. And actually, I haven't like verified that's what that meant. Someone just told me that's what it meant. So I could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I could be wrong. But we'll just run with it. That's yeah, what it means now. That's what it means. It makes total sense to me. I buy it. So if we've got any optometrists out there that want to prove us wrong, I did my own research. This is like the Joe Rogan's trying to have these like vaccine (laughs) debates. I'm not trying to get into that issue, but we should have debates about things that are just like objectively fact like this. This is the problem with the world we live in now where there's so much information and disinformation that's all available in the same bucket. Yeah. Because like when we were growing up, we grew up a little bit t- different, but when I was growing I was up, there were the like, internet existed. When the I internet was like there, but it wasn't like everybody had access to it all the time, sure. and there weren't smartphones in high school, so people could just say things. Yeah. You just be like, "Oh my gosh, Michael Jordan punched a guy," and you had no way. To and you'd be like, "Wow, yeah, I think I heard that too." Yeah. And it's like, no, that didn't happen. That's crazy. And and I think even when I was a kid, we didn't do it a lot. Like I didn't have a smartphone, so I couldn't just do it immediately. The amount of things that I look up and like fact check all day every day it's crazy like i will do it immediately somebody tells me something that's not even like controversial and i'm just like oh let me let me see if this guy Mm -hmm. knows what he's talking Mm -hmm. about or like i I don't know like even the weather somebody's like oh it's gonna rain today and i'm immediately like is it are you sure i don't know i want to i want to double check it which is it is crazy and i think it's amazing how it does lead into some of these like i mean some very important things but also into like the sports world where uh, like I had some students this past year who loved to argue about like MJ versus LeBron and you like, like 20 years ago or more, you could have just made up stats and just been like, well, MJ averaged this in the playoffs and they just, oh, wow, I didn't realize he mm-hmm. was that. But now I'm, they're like constantly pulling 
you know, infographics up that they saw on Twitter and are like, yeah, but what about this? And I do the same thing. I'm like, I have this, I have the same stuff saved on my phone to show people when I'm making those arguments. It's just, it, it's changed. I don't know. To me, it's like makes us enjoy things less. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Preferred Walk-Ons podcast. I am Michael McGraw and I am here with Michael Shutt. Today is Tuesday, June 20th, and it is now about 48 hours since Bob Huggins had stepped down as the head basketball coach at West Virginia after his second run-in with the law. Not great, Bob. Not great at all. He's been uh, having a rough off season, and uh, now I guess it's permanently the off season. Here's the thing about this situation that strikes me. I think there are a lot of different takes that are going on. People are saying people seem to be coming out of the woodwork to just talk about what a great guy that Bob Huggins is sure. and how his players adore him and the things that he's done for both reporters and former players. But at the same time, this guy just came off of a situation where he was had to essentially restructure his contract, give back a million dollars, and be put on a performance improvement plan, more or less. And within just a couple months, within a month, he has a situation like this, where he is getting arrested and supposed to be in an event and is blacking out and putting other people's lives at risk. Like that's the that's the ultimate takeaway from this. Like I, I see a lot of people kind of like trying to brush it under the rug a little bit almost. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's just a sad situation, but and, and it is, but also he put people's lives at risk by doing that. Yeah, I mean, the that's the thing is I think that there's look, I get it. I think that I've said it before. I think we talked about this when he had his I was gonna say his incident or whatever, however we want to classify it, but his use of a slur. Uh, on a radio show earlier this off season, I like him as a basketball coach, and there's no doubt that he's done a lot of really good things for some people. And there's all sorts of stories that we've heard, and I understand that. But there's, I'm not ready to go to this plane of like, oh, Bob Huggins made a mistake, and we all make mistakes, and so we should just forgive it because it's just a mistake. Like, this is categorically one of the worst mistakes you can make in terms of decision making, and especially when it could be so easy. Like, get a car service, buddy. Like, you're super wealthy. You do not need to be driving. Or have the university get one for That's you. That's what I'm saying. Put it, put it like, in, your in some way. In some way, right? I mean, if there's all these former players that are so indebted to him, I bet one of them would do it. But no, this is this is pretty awful. And I think he was he and the university were left without a choice uh, in terms of how to move forward for this. Obviously, Bob Huggins just could not continue on as the head basketball coach at Western University. Yeah, David Roth had a really good article about this in Defector, and there was a line that stuck with me, which is, "Being a basketball coach is more about is more than coaching basketball. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to be a representative. This is the same kind of stuff that we talked about with Nate Oates. You are representing a public university with taxpayer dollars going towards your salary, and supposedly representing young men and being an example for them, and that this is just not." acceptable i mean like the details if you go through the details of this 
it's not like he showed up to an event drunk or he just has a drinking problem. Like he was at, he, he was found in the evening and the last thing he remembers was being at a Burger King at 1.30 in the afternoon. So there was like a six hour gap where he was driving around with bags of beer cans in his car and didn't know where he was when he was supposed to be recruiting. Like this was a big recruiting weekend. Coaches from all over the country are visiting top level recruits, trying to get them to come to their universities. And he wasn't available to know where he was. It's interesting to me to look just today again on the 20th here. There's been a statement put out on social media by his daughter which there's a lot to unpack. I mean, look, I, I let me. I want to be a little compassionate in how I process this because she is his kid, and uh, there's a personal level to that that I'm sure is makes it more difficult uh, and, and hard to process. It's not just a public figure to her. This is her father, and so there's a layer to that that, like, obviously she's not gonna she's gonna take a certain angle here. But there's some things in it that are that are I think stick out as interesting. You mentioned the beer cans in the car her defense is that is cans were in bags and weren't all beer cans. There's a small group of people in Morgantown who know my dad, Bob Huggins collects cans to recycle always has always will. That's his thing. You know, that's, I wouldn't lead with that defense in court. (laughs) I would try something else. Well, you know, it's one thing if, if that was it, if they were just like, Oh yeah, there were a bunch of cans and he was a little over the legal limit, whatever. But the dude blew a 0.21. Like that's in it. That's three times the so, legal limit, right? So then she comes in after, at that point. She's like, to act like he was driving. This is a quote: "To act like he was driving around pounding beers, as the media wants to portray, it, is absolutely absurd." Is it? He he was at a point he two not, one. He might not have been pounding beers. It might have been liquor. That's true. That could be could be wine, <laughs> and wine then, white wine spritzer. And then she goes into this like do your own research kind of thing, right? The society in this world we are living in doesn't always tell the truth. The choice is, is of course, yours to buy into it or not. Just know it's not always factual. But, like, this, I always have a hard time with this where you're just like, this isn't the truth. The truth is out there. That kind of, like, okay, so he, it's like, who's, not, who's out to get Bob Huggins? It's not truthful. So he stepped down voluntarily. Well, so then she talks in, in this about she kind of addresses the uh, administration for WVU, uh, Gordon G, and, and the board of, trustees or whatever they call it in West Virginia saying that they treated him like he didn't matter. Apparently, according to her, her father, Bob Huggins offered to go to rehab for a 60 day stint and stay as head coach. So said that he would willingly go and take a 60 day stint in rehab if they would keep him. So that makes it seem this is not that he, he just didn't, this is the university basically forcing him out, which of course, right? I mean, like I think we all could have predicted that, but so I, that doesn't even get. I I don't care about that honestly. Like I don't really care about who made the decision. Sure, and, and I I also want to be compassionate to people who have alcoholism, which he according, clearly does. According this to is, her, he's not an alcoholic. Okay. He drinks like ninety percent of us do. Is what so that, those are her words. Okay, I, I one might suggest that driving around with point two one is a step beyond what most of us do. But that that aside, he, in a very short period of time, goes on a radio show and just starts making slurs that are completely unacceptable. 
then follows it up after basically being told by the university, like, this is your last chance. You, we can't zero tolerance for any bad kind of conduct. Like, this is how he follows it up. Mm-hmm. You don't get to be a coach anymore. Like, even at a school like West Virginia that loves him, he's there. He went there. He's an alum. He's done a lot for the university. He's done a lot for the basketball team. He's a legendary coach. I get that it is very sad. But it is a complete privilege to be paid millions of dollars to be a D1 basketball coach. You don't get to coach if you're going to make decisions that bad. Like, you can't. Like, you just can't make those kind of decisions. That is just a deal breaker. And, like, a lot of people have immediately leapt into, well, who will take a chance on him in one or two years? Like, I don't think anybody should. Like, any... And I'm not saying he can't make a mistake and grow as a person. He absolutely can. But, like you shouldn't be allowed to be a basketball coach and be in charge of young minds and athletes if you're going to make decisions like that, especially when you have the entire resources of a university who will do literally anything you want, drive you anywhere, you know, give you the resources and help that you need if you're having some kind of personal problem. Just no, like not acceptable. If we want to be mad about like hypocrisy here when you see like, Jim Beheim literally killed a guy with his car and there was no problem. I could see some WVU fans or other people who just maybe don't agree with this punishment looking at like Mark few, for example, and saying, you know, he sure he served a brief suspension and was back. But I, I think it's, it's cumulative, right? Like this is not, this isn't his first incident like this either. And then, and then you add in the, the slurs and just, it's just not a great look. And I think what you're saying is ultimately what it comes down to is, is yes, as a basketball coach, a you're a leader of young men and have to set a good example. But also when you're a basketball coach that is as prominent as Bob Huggins is at a university of that size, you have a, a responsibility as a public figure, almost like a politician, right? Like you are a representative of that university and of everyone affiliated with that university like it or not so we've heard professional athletes before and people in the sports world say like i didn't sign up to be a role model that's not what i'm like in bob huggins role you are a role model you have to be you that's not optional it comes with the territory and this is inexcusable and we have to start setting a better example for young people as they come up look i think that this is one of the things that we are maybe worst about as a society we are super casual about drinking and driving and it's way too dangerous it puts too many lives at risk it's just it's not worth it and so when you're a powerful person like you just can't set that example like we have to do better i'm sorry to him and his family that this is the way this worked out i i hope he gets the help that it seems pretty evident he needs whether he can admit it or not or his family can admit it or not i think it's pretty clear to the rest of us i'm sorry to the uh wvu fan base to the basketball players who want to play for this guy i hope they can find a leader that is deserving of that job and that those players deserve but it's it's at that point it's not bob huggins and and then it'd be really really hard sometimes people that we love who have done really good things also do really bad things and we've got to learn to be able to to move on i'm not saying there's no space for forgiveness for him too but just not as head coach of 
the West Virginia Mountaineer basketball team. It's got to be somebody else. And, and I, I'm, I'm glad they made that decision and are ready to move on. I would have certainly been having a totally different response to this if they had been willing to sweep this under the rug and just say, it's fine, he's still our coach. Yeah, I, I mean, we both talked about this. I think we both were hoping that he would have been fired for his comments. Like, that was yeah. already difficult situation from my perspective to be a representative of your university to young kids that was already a bad enough situation plus this so now you have a situation at west virginia where they have one of the best transfer classes of any team and they're kind of now put into this situation where i mean they have the opportunity those people who transferred in can leave Mm -hmm. because of how ncaa rules work and they're trying to figure out if there's a coach maybe internally. There's been some talk of uh, John Beeline possibly coming in and Tom saving Green. the Tom Green, I've heard his Tom name. Tom Green. Yeah, I I don't know what they're going to do. It's a really interesting situation from a school that like was very buzzy and going to be a top 25 at least team, probably a little bit better than that. And it's, it's kind of unprecedented at this point in this season to be making that switch. And this is where I think like if you're a West Virginia fan – or just a basketball fan, I guess. And like you want to direct your anger somewhere, direct it at him. He screwed this up. That's been the hard part, I think, is like I know some West Virginia fans, and I think they're bummed because of what you just said. There's a lot of buzz around them. They've got a lot of talent. And it was looking like a very promising year. The the impetus is on him. Like it's not on somebody else. Nobody else f- this up for you. It's you. So now, yeah, you you gotta find somebody who can hold this together. That's your next responsibility as an athletic department. Is there someone, whether it's a permanent solution or an interim, who can at least keep this together for a year, right? And then you can maybe find a long term. So I where I saw Tom Crean's name put out there, it was as an interim. Bring him in to hold things steady for a year. If it's great, then maybe he gets a chance to stay. If not, then you move on, right? Or is there somebody there who can can hold it together that the, that the players like enough that is popular enough that can keep this thing from imploding because that that's your next step is is just falling apart there's still roster spots around the country carolina's got a couple scholarship spots i think virginia still has yeah we have two i believe so like it's not too late these guys like kirk Rishi and um the kid edwards from syracuse there's still room if, if they want to jump ship. It's not. I think so, I saw some stuff that was like, oh, surely they're not going to transfer out now. It's late June and everybody's filled their roster. They sure haven't. And, and this is why they wait for stuff like this. You never know these days when somebody's going to transfer out. And it'll be interesting to keep an eye. Obviously, I think that's not the most important thing here, but it is a sports show. Like at some point, we're going to focus on that. Yeah. So speaking of alcohol maybe from a more positive perspective yeah let's make this fun how about the jello shots challenge that's going on at the college world series this is a perfect opportunity to to revise my takes because yeah we should say that we recorded a podcast that was great and got all of the games correct i definitely said uva would go out in two games and did not say that they were had a really good chance of making it to the finals yeah no one there's no evidence of here that. on this pod but we we made some predictions about what the jello shot contest would look like and i think we both were correct about lsu everybody was correct about lsu lsu is 
who they said they were. <laughs> yeah. Well, Infinite. The reason that episode didn't come out, we had some technical. Yeah, we had some issues. But. Yeah. They but yes. only it only recorded my end, which actually was a great listen from my perspective. <laughs> I actually <laughs> like the show more. I, I I would have been fine with you putting just that a out. lot of silence and me being like, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Well, you could have. Anyway, anyway, uh, yeah, we were. This is the thing we were right about: is that LSU is dominating the Rocco's Jello Shot Challenge uh, in Omaha to the point of breaking Ole Miss's record. Last I checked, they were over twenty-one thousand Jello shots, and and they may even be more than that as of time of recording. Um, helped by a massive purchase from a wealthy alum whose name I don't remember, but I know he's the founder of Raising Canes, uh, and he purchased 6,000 Jell-O that, shots. That would be Todd Graves. There you go. Purchased 6,000 Jell-O shots for LSU fans for them to break Ole Miss's record. Go Tigers. Party on. UVA, just like on the on the diamond, kind of falling short of expectations in last place. I'm a little disappointed. I honestly... I was sad about UVA losing. I was more disappointed in our fans for not buying more Jello shots. That's I think a their stupid, fault. It's a stupid thing for me to be upset about, mm. especially since for the first few days of the tournament, every team won that had more Jello shots at that time. Yeah, man. So, I mean, clearly that's what we needed to do. It's do our fault. Yeah. It's not Brian O'Connor's fault, certainly, for making bullpen decisions. Yeah, that was kind of rough. Shout out to the Oral Roberts people and the TCU people though who got out there and decided to have Jello shots. That's yeah, it's good way. For them, man. I mean, I thought I thought Oral Roberts and and TCU and Stanford would be at the bottom, and Wake's doing a really good job. They've been in second place through most of it. Nobody can compete with LSU, but we kind of knew that. But um, yeah, let's talk about how how this is unfolding a little bit on the baseball field. Hold up, before we do that, yeah. I I want to I want to just like flag this Todd Graves thing. Let's do it. His 6,000 Jello shots that he bought set a world record. Did you see that? It was it's a world record for most Jello shots. Okay. Ever but purchased in one thing. And it, who he, tracks that though? I don't know, but the record was set by Merle Haggard. Yeah. Like what a what a random thing to like have data on. I wouldn't have thought that Merle Haggard was a big Jello shot guy. I think it was just shots. Oh. So he okay. bought a, apparently he bought like almost 5,100 shots for a bar in texas in the 80s uh-huh this feels like a very unofficial record thing like there's no way we actually know i don't know guinness guinness has those things that are yeah. like oh most spaghetti eaten on a tuesday i mean but they people have... organize that like when it's that it's like they get together they like get someone to observe it i'm saying like there's no no possible way you could know that in the history of man what the most amount of shots i mean i think it's a safe bet that this is probably the biggest because who buys more than six thousand shots but like why was merle haggard buying five thousand right who there's probably some guy in russia who's buying ten thousand shots of vodka for his comrades okay <laughs> like i feel like i should cut all that anyway you want to talk about baseball yeah I, I i'm trying to ball. avoid talking about baseball after I know you are. after uva fell apart in the game against florida and then couldn't finish against TCU. Yeah. I don't know. Disappointing showing. I think as the non-UVA fan here at the table, I still thought that the Who's had a good shot at this thing. And and it just felt super anticlimactic, right? You have this really awesome super regional where you lose the first game and then dominate in two games and you're going to Omaha with a ton of momentum. 
fan base is fired up. There's all this like so much energy around it. And it just feels like you look at your side of the bracket and we talked about this last last week on the the lost episode. You've got Oral Roberts, which is a four seed on your side. You've got TCU, which compared to the other team, obviously everybody at this point is a good baseball team, but compared to the other teams is a little underwhelming. Florida, obviously very good, but you know, there's it looks like there's a good chance. Wake and LSU, the only two teams in this country that that have been ranked number one all season, are on the other side. So you've avoided them and and just you go out there and yeah, on Friday against Florida, O'Connor just makes some kind of boneheaded bullpen pitching decisions and puts them in a bad spot. And I, I just you don't expect that from him. At least I don't expect that from him. I, I'm not a I don't watch a ton of UVA baseball, but he's one of the more respected coaches in college baseball, especially in the ACC. And I guess I just didn't expect him to like mishandle that in such a drastic way. Yeah. So he deserves credit for building this program. Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say some crazy. Oh, he should step down. Like I've seen I've seen some people on Twitter. That's what state fans do with Elliot Avent. Yeah. I'm not They're gonna like, I'm not gonna go crazy like yeah. that. He he is everything. He's won our only national championship, so he deserves a lot of grace. But having said that, the bullpen situation and what they did in Florida allowing one reliever to give up three home runs. That decision was bad enough, I think. I saw something on Twitter that said that that hasn't happened in professional baseball in like 30 years. Like that is an insane thing that nobody does. You just can't give up solo shots like that over and over. But from my perspective, the worst thing about it, you have someone in Jay Wolfick who is your closer who he had told reporters on ESPN was kind of recovering from some mental side of things. Like he was struggling and in the previous series, the super regional and regionals mm-hmm. came in and like hit a batter and then was out. Like he, he just didn't seem right. Didn't seem to have confidence in himself. Okay. So maybe that's why you're leaving this reliever in. You just are like, we're going to ride or die with this guy. No matter what happens. Fine. You bring Jay Wolfick in with the bases loaded and one out. This is the guy that you think is so fragile he can't come into the game to close in a major moment. You're going to bring him in in literally the worst conceivable situation possible. Like he can't be in a worse situation. A a walk, a hit batter, a hit, anything ends the game. And now it's like on him for like giving up the last run. Like that makes me... Like, I was so upset watching the game in real time. Like, that is just an unconscionable decision from a player management standpoint. Just, like, managing the health, mental health of your players, not even baseball. Like, that that really bugged me. Is there some level, of like, or, or perception of any level of disdain or, or does he hold it against him? that he plays football as well? No, I don't think so. I think they've had a really good relationship, like the football program and the baseball yeah. program. And I think Jay would tell you probably too, that if he has a career in professional, like baseball. it would be baseball. So I think that's his main sport. I just wonder when I hear like, Oh, he's been going through some mental. Th- I mean, I, I hate to like speculate too much on what that, that could be any number of things, but, and, and I'm scarred as an NC state fan with the whole Russell Wilson deal that like sometimes the, there's conflict of interest there and i'm wondering if 
there's a perception on O'Connor's stamp, like from his perspective, that like as you get into the summer, is Jay Wolfolk's focus shifting to football? And, and I, I'm like, that is pure speculation, and I have no idea. I just like that was the first thing that popped into my head as I started talking about that a little bit on the broadcast. It to me, the whole thing reeked of like you don't trust him to throw him to put him out there before it's too it, it felt too late like when you put him out there and, and i think some people will look at that and say oh he really trusts him to put him in this like super tough situation but i don't think that's what that that's not what it felt like no, watching the no game. it was like it he had like no like, other oh, this is over just throw him out there to the wolves and then he's gonna do poorly and that'll justify my not putting him out there earlier which sucks i, I it just didn't feel like he was putting his team in the best position to succeed at all. No, I totally agree. It, it, it was frustrating. You know, baseball is not the most important sport, but as a UVA fan, it is like, we've talked about this. I love the fact that UVA is competitive in all kinds of sports. Like it's not just football and basketball. And I, I know Virginia tech fans are like, Oh, that football is the only one that's important and basketball. But, but like, I like the ability to watch baseball. I like the ability to watch lacrosse and have swimming and rowing teams that are very successful so this was a bummer like there's no other way around Mm -hmm. this it was a huge bummer it completely deflated the team and then their game against tcu felt like i mean it was a one-run game that was competitive but their bats just weren't there and i kind of went into that game just thinking like they're not gonna because you have to win three in a row you have to win that game and then you probably have to play florida again and it's just you know like it's it's a tough it's a tough ask at that point no absolutely and i i it definitely felt like watching the tcu game for virginia it felt like the the announcers kept talking about like oh this has been one of the best offenses in the country all year and even they are just waiting they're waiting for like where is this offense because it wasn't there um, and it especially wasn't there from like the big hitters, like the Kyle Teals and the Geloffs. Yeah. Those are the people that have been carrying the team all year, and they just you know went quiet. It happens, and it happens. It's only two games. It's a small sample size, and they had been so good in the regionals and super regionals, but they just didn't play their best. Yeah, and and it hap- It does happen, and but it's hard, and I hate to like. It almost feels like gatekeeping fandom, but I think real fans do care about this stuff, right? When you're when your school has a chance to win a national championship and anything, and they're that close, how does that not fire you up? And and then the flip side of that is feeling the pain of disappointment when it doesn't happen. But we talked about this with the basketball tournament. Only one team at the end of the day walks away with that championship. And it is an honor to be there. And, and they, they shouldn't feel bad, right? Like, I mean, that was a huge accomplishment to make it that far out of a tough ACC, out of a really tough regional and super regional. You know, kudos to the UVA baseball team, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't there. On the other side of that, though, I think it uh, I still think it's there for the other ACC team involved. Yeah, so we got to put all of our apples in the or eggs, whatever, whatever you get in the store. Put all, the all your apples in that basket, yeah, huh? Exactly. The Count apple, your apples apple before basket. they hatch. Yes. Yeah. No ACC team has been in the finals since UVA won in 2015, and now Wake is one win away. And they've had, it's been interesting, like they blew so many teams out in the first two rounds, but they've had to kind of scrap at these and, and play from behind in both their games. But I've, I've been 
in watching their games, I've been very impressed with their ability to like, you know, they gave up a run against Stanford early and had the bases loaded yeah. in their first game. And it was like, oh, this this could be a really big moment. And they managed to, you know, get out of that jam and, you know, find a way to win. And similarly against LSU after being down, find a way to get back. They're 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 uh they're an enjoyable team to watch. Yeah, that that LSU game, I mean, they had I think they led off with two straight hits against LSU and then had nothing for like until like the eighth inning um or seventh inning and but yeah both games down in the eighth and have to come back like that's that's big time right there and i think that for me it answered a lot of questions this was a wake team like you said that to this point i think going into omaha had outscored their opponents something like 75 to 16 or somewhere around there i may have the numbers a little bit off but they had just been so dominant and so the question in my mind was because they were on the side of the bracket that objectively seemed a little tougher, what was going to happen if they went down? Were they capable of holding their composure and, and finding production when they need it, when they're, when they're down? Or is it a lot of empty stats? Are they, are they filling it up because they get up and then it gets a little easier? And they proved the ability to come, down, come back from behind and win these games against really good teams. LSU and Stanford are... Uh, the class of this thing pretty much and, and at least they seem that way and so I I just have all the faith in the world and you look at like the the Rhett Louders start in the first game um, against Stanford like he wasn't as good as he has been most of the season so you kind of think like okay you played from behind with some subpar performance from your starting pitching I, I doubt that he's going to be bad again when whenever he takes them out next so I, I still like the Deeks chance at this thing. And I know that there's uh, some ACC fans, and I've definitely seen some NC State fans that are like, I refuse to pull for Wake Forest and anything. But Hi. I, well, State, what? it's a little different. Like, there is. Okay. I was going to say, like a you could, you're rivals with them. Like, I yeah. I don't. I like Wake Forest. Yeah, they're, they're like a, virtually they're like a goofy. Indistinguishable from UVA. A goofy so. younger brother that has a, a the same good job as we do. Yeah. I and I know. just look at any sport when somebody makes it to this stage that hasn't even been to omaha since 1955 like it's been almost 70 years can we just like be happy for them <laughs> they don't win a lot of things like uh, they just don't and i'm not trying to be mean to them but like it's not like wake has some dominant athletics program so i don't know i'm good with it i think it looks good for the acc i'm definitely not pulling for lsu like there are some nc state fans that like them because tommy white transferred there they're like oh he was with us but like that's a terrible reason to root for somebody. Yeah, yeah. You're going to root for somebody who transferred out of your program? Well, I mean, you know how I am on this. I'm not going to like hate him but, for it. But I understand that. But like, still, that would Yeah, it's not a reason you. to pull for him. Right. It's yeah. stupid. I think that they had this thing of like, oh, well, he had a big RBI double or something against uh, against Wake. And they oh, some of the fans were like, oh, yeah, he's still beating up on Wake Forest. Go, Tommy. And okay. it's like, this is stupid. Like. If he's still in our in in the red and white estate, like I'll pull for him, but he's an LSU Tiger at this point. I'm not. Who cares? Go wake. I mean, if you're trying to figure out who you're going to root for, you got to look at the remaining teams. Whatever you think of Wake, yeah. you've got Florida, you've got TCU, you've got Tennessee and LSU. So you've got three SEC teams with very unlikable fans. I will die on that hill. Don't yeah. care. And then you have TCU. No, I'm not going to root for TCU. Are you kidding sure. me? No. So you're definitely going to root for Wake. 100%. But who do you think is... 
I mean, I think Florida is going to beat yeah. TCU. I mean, it's just hard to imagine TCU winning two straight against Florida. Yeah. And I think LSU could take one from... I mean, I, I'm going to assume that LSU beats Tennessee. Sure. But I think it would be difficult for any team to beat Wake Forest twice. So I think I think you will see a Wake-Florida final. A lot of power bats there. I mean, that's... Could see a lot of dingers. That'd yeah. be fun. Yeah. be a fun final. I love that. Be um, a great Belk Bowl. Yeah. You got... Uh, <laughs> it would be a great Belk Bowl. Uh, Duke's Mayo Bowl now. Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, get the sponsor right. Continental Tire Bowl. Who? Meineke Car Care Bowl. Mm. I like all that. All of this has been the same bowl game. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I I enjoy... I, I would love that. I think Wake is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, as we've established, and uh, Florida's got Caglianoni, uh, you know the Shohei Otani of of college baseball. He leads the nation in home runs, but then also comes out there and pitches some pretty key innings late in the game sometimes. And they got an interesting spot against UVA there, where they had used no, that wasn't that was against um, or. Or Oral Roberts. It was against Oral Roberts where they had used all their mound visits and they were down to like their last pitcher other than Cags. And there was this whole thing of like the catcher a couple times like stood up like he was going to go out there and the coach had to be like, no, you can't do that. Like we can't change pitchers right now. And I don't know. Florida's exciting. They've got a deep roster and yeah, they, they do hit some dingers. And so them and uh, Wake Forest, I look forward to that. I think that'd be a good, a good final series where we'd see a lot of, a lot of power offense, but Give me the Deeks all the way. I'm trying to figure out how I want to spend the next two months without UVA sports. What, yeah. am I, what am I supposed to do? Because you have like... We were supposed to have a college football video game this summer to take up that time, but that got delayed till next summer. And there are all kinds of lawsuits about that now that are like threatening it, which I totally get and I'm in strong support of the players to make as much no, money I as possible. Video but I also like, let's work that out so that I can play yeah, video games. Come on. But... You know, we, I guess there are like people who are declaring whether they're going to play for UVA. Like you get a Jaron Stevenson, who's probably mm. going to go to UNC or something like that. But, you know, aside from that or any crazy transfers that just randomly decide to show up, it's like that nothing super exciting. You just have to like put the football depth chart together and yeah. get excited about that. I don't know. Yeah. What, we're what am I supposed to do? Yeah. It, that, that's the thing is uh, what do we do with our time? What do we talk about here? <laughs> Hard to say, but let's stretch this thing out a little bit more. Let's hope for a nice three-game final series. And <laughs> they just they just play all the time. They, yeah. The game goes 36 innings. I would love spread that. Spread it out over several days. Let's do it. I like. I got nothing else to live for. I mean, yeah, because we're this is tough, right? We get in this gap for me as a personally as a sports fan, where like college sports have ended, the NBA is done, their draft is in, is this Thursday, so I can't even care about that. Now I'm I'm a big summer league watcher for NBA, but I know you're not necessarily a big NBA guy. I love the NBA. Yeah, we, I just don't love the regular season because it doesn't matter. Right. So you're I definitely also, not watching summer league. No, I, but I like you know I I did watch some of the summer league because they had guys in there of like. You know, this is Jay Huff playing with mm -hmm. Mac McClung on the Lakers. That's kind of cool. Yeah, last yeah, year. yeah. So you'll get to see, like, I'm sure then he'll they be all around. Get cut, and, yeah, Diakite will probably play and some other guys like that. Kyle Guy maybe tries to make it again. You never know. He's been lighting it up over there yeah, in so, Spain. So I'm sure somebody will bring him over for Summer League to see if he can, if he can do it. But it's hard. Uh, for sure, you get a little gap there where I don't quite care about Major League Baseball yet. 
right? It's still pre All Star break. Like, I don't know how people can like actually put a ton of concentration and focus into Major League Baseball pre All Star break. There's just so many games left. Mm. Like, I'm a big Braves fan, so I get real excited. I'm like, yeah, we're great right now, and like, but they still have so many games. So many things could happen. So yeah, we're in a gap right now in terms of sports fandom. I was betting on horse races the other day and golf. That's I will say I've been doing I've been killing it gambling wise betting on the College World Series. Yeah. Mostly I've been taking calls from this Alabama former Alabama head coach. <laughs> He's had some great insights sure. on what's going to happen. Sure. But no, one one of my strategies which will almost certainly go the other way now that I'm releasing this, but there have been a lot of unders. So you get these lines that are like 11 runs or 12 runs for the number of runs that are going to be scored in a game. And during the regular season, because everybody's bats are crazy and there's no good pitching, it goes over all the time. Mm -hmm. And it was like that in regionals, there are like 11 to 8 games or whatever. But once you get to this point, I've been betting a lot of unders because you get one, you get managers that pull the plug on pitchers who are not doing well a lot faster. So they're just like, we'll immediately go to the bullpen if a guy gets on. Two, you have much better pitchers from the bigger programs. They have more depth than some of the other programs. So you end up with a lot of games that are like three to two, like the LSU wake game, but the line stays at like 11 and a half, 12, because they have the potential. And you look at like their algorithms based on the season are like, Oh, this team scores eight runs a game. So bet the under just sit there and root for outs. It's a fun way. It's a fun uh, game to play. LSU Tennessee. Yeah. I've, I've been, I bet that under too. You bet the under on that. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, maybe I'll, I'll tail that and, that means it'll inevitably lose. We're I've got like the worst luck gambling as as you know, but our audience know our audience doesn't necessarily know that. And um like I said we tried some some horse betting the other day, just like super low stakes. Uh, I think you've said it before on here. Bet what you got. Don't don't bet over your head and and I feel like I'm pretty good about that, so I was ma- placing tiny bets, but the very first one I bet on, I picked out like a horse. I was like this seems cool. I like the name. I don't know anything about horse racing. FanDuel gives you a little bit of like inside information of like this. This horse runs fast. Yeah, right. Exactly. I bet on that horse and it like came out of the gates and then just immediately like stopped on the track. And so we're watching the graphic and it's like horse number four or whatever, just like trailing way behind. At one point it was like off the graphic entirely. That's my kind of luck. So no, can we say you're you're bearing the lead about your real luck here, which is not losing. It's even better than that. So on Friday, you and I were watching together the TCU Oral <laughs> Roberts game, and I, we had both placed bets on Oral Roberts to be within uh, one and a half runs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like Oral Roberts plus one point five. And we're watching the game, and so we're both rooting for Oral Roberts, and TCU jumps out to a lead, and we're like, ah, oh, it's kind of disappointing. And then they have that explosion on in the ninth inning, and they score a bunch of runs, and it was super exciting. I was getting all excited. Oral Roberts takes the lead with a home run, and then you realized you My, didn't place the bet. Well, it didn't hit the enter button or like the confirm button. Right. I I no, that's actually not how it happened. Okay. I you're right that the bet did not get placed, and that sucked, and. It still is my, I'm not trying to like excuse myself, but what happened was I placed the bet and whatever, for whatever happened, because we were out in public, maybe I wasn't on the Wi-Fi, it said location not verified. So it couldn't verify that I was in a state where betting was legal because some of us do place bets through legal means while some people may not sure what that means. I'm just saying there are people out there who don't 
go through legal avenues. And so my bet did not go through. It, it was a moment of sheer bliss when I thought I had won my bet. And then I checked FanDuel to remind myself of how much I had won. Uh, and it said, bet not placed. <laughs> and uh, there I was cheering for Oral Roberts for no reason. It's so good. Uh, yeah, it was fine, I guess. <laughs> but I just I just placed a, a couple units on the under perfect for lsu tennessee so and so it's gonna be like 15 to 10 tonight probably just Mm. because i did that yeah i'm sure the first the very first inning too that team's yeah like lsu is gonna lead off with like back to back to back home runs i like the idea of you just walking up to an actual like in-person sports book Mm -hmm. and saying like i would like to bet on oral roberts and they're like okay is this the bet you want and then you're just wandering away (laughs) without collecting you just left you just leave a winning <laughs> bet there. They're like, sir, it's, oh, it's yeah. gone. And I'm just like, I'm in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> or I think I'm in Columbus, Ohio. 21,000 jello shots later. That's what maybe, maybe he was just, maybe Bob Huggins. He was, he was supporting LSU. That's right. He was in <laughs> wherever he actually was. All right. Well, if you would like to reach us and send us an email, you can do that at any time at preferredwalkons at yahoo.com. You can also reach us on Instagram or Twitter at pwopod. And we are very sad about the new or that last week's episode. Like it's actually stuck with me. It was a pretty good episode. We talked about some fun stuff. Yeah. But it's also stuff that we couldn't replicate, just redoing it. Because it was before some things happened. It was before, and... but also we were like, we were playing a game about, you know, teams that had uh, oh, non NCAA champions. And so there was like guesswork on your part. So it would have been disingenuous to do it. Yeah. But anyway. But that honestly, we're back. That just shows our audience how much integrity we have because we could have right. faked it. I have a good feeling about Wake Forest. <laughs> God.